as a read from the book of Psalms 19. The scripture says, the law of the Lord is perfect. I'm reading Psalm 19, verses 7 through 10. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the earth. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgment of the Lord are true, righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold. Yea, the much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. This psalm was written by a man who was not playing games with God. These words were scripted by the Holy Spirit through his servant David. From all the three, four verses that we have read, it unfolds to us, it uncovers the purpose of the word of God in anyone who releases themselves for its word, for his word. In these few scriptures, the Bible said the law of the Lord is perfect. You know what I saw there? If anybody is seeking perfection, you do not get it from anywhere else other than the word. It means the law of the Lord is absolute. It is supreme. It is perfect. And I love what he says next. He says it converts the soul. To convert means to change, to redeem, to give a new nature. It converts the soul. In other words, whatever may be the present state of the soul, by the entrance of God's word, when it is permitted, the word of God will make a conversion of a man's soul. However strong and heady the soul is. Tonight I'm going to bring a word to us that I call changed by the word. Changed. By the word. It is my firm belief that the most, the most forceful or the most potent means of transformation in the realm of the spirit is the word. The most influential force on earth today Either people believe it or they don't, is the spoken word. By heat, nations fought with each other. Words altered in unguarded moments can trigger the greatest crisis the world had ever seen. But you know what I saw? It is not new. The inception of man, the inception of the world was created by the spoken word of God. The Bible says, and the Lord created heaven under Genesis chapter 1. And verse 2, and the heart was without form and void, and the darkness was upon the face of the heart. And the Spirit of the Lord overs over the darkness. The Bible says in verse 3 of Genesis chapter 1, and the Lord said, let there be light. And there was light. Creation or creativity occurs when the right words are spoken. One of the reasons why God has given his people conditions for speaking. You know what the Bible says in the book of Proverbs? It says, you know, slow, quick to hear, slow to, slow to speak, and slow to hunger. Why? Because God knows the power that is in the word. Life and death. I in the power of the tongue. They that love it shall eat the fruit 
thereof. Tonight, the approach we're taking is a little bit different. The approach we're taking tonight is that God brings change to those who fellowship, who gives the word of God its rightful place in their lives. There are many people who desire change. We see it every year. Isn't that true? They, they call it certain name. All of us know it. New year what? Resolution. You know what they're looking for? They're looking for change. They make resolution on the 1st of January. By the 3rd of January, the resolution is gone. You know why? Because it has no base. It is baseless. Change only occurs to a man's soul when there's an encounter with God. And you can never encounter God except through his word. That's why the scripture says, the word of the Lord is a living, let me read it, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. I like to read this from King James and also from the Amplified Version of the Bible. And I want us to pay attention to what it says. Hebrews chapter 4. The Bible says in verse 12, for the word of the Lord is living. Everyone say living. <laughs> I remember some years ago, uh, some people met with Spurgeon, just G. Spurgeon. Many of us who have read this book know him. And they confronted him and said, you did such a great work of defending the Bible and defending God. And the man laughed and said, no, I didn't. And they said, but you did a good job. He said, no. He said, did you ever see anybody defend a lion? A lion defends itself. He was referring to the word. You don't need, we don't need nothing to defend this word. It's, while I was standing there, it occurred in my spirit, God is self-existing. His word is self-existing. We don't need to add anything to it. We don't need to remove anything from it. It's a full, absolute word. He said, you can't, you can defend a, a living lion. You can't. He defends himself. The Bible said the word of the Lord is living. In other words, when I hold my Bible in my hand and I read, what am I reading? I'm reading life. Jesus said the word that I speak to you, they are life and their spirit. The flesh profits nothing. It says, I'm powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit. It says, and of the joints and marrow. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. From the passage of this scripture, the Bible says, the word of the Lord is powerful. It pierces. It makes a way for itself. What pierces like a sword? It says it pierces into the division of the, of, 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 of the, of, of the soul and spirit. The word of the Lord goes beyond our intellect. In all of these scriptures that I read tonight, Psalm 19, and also this, this scripture we're reading in Hebrews, there was nothing that speaks of head. So when God gives us his word, it's something that is beyond your head. God wasn't relating with man in the sense of sense knowledge. No. God's word, when it is properly allowed, distills into our spirit. Takes over the operation of things in our lives. Our conduct become affected. Our character becomes shaped. Our lives is on, on the right course when we receive the right word from God. And I believe tonight, you don't talk of change without a de definite activity providing a restructuring to create something unseen but desired or desirable. Now let me say this. Change is something desirable. But it's unseen. But it does not just happen without a structure. 
People desire change. And they shall change. They desire. They want it. But there is no structure. What provides the structure for change in our lives is when the word takes its place. That's why the Bible calls it a seed. That's why he calls it a seed. Because when you plant a seed, it dies. And then comes out. And grow. And it becomes unstoppable. Why? Because the seed has grown. When you have a seed, it's easy to control it. When it becomes a tree, it becomes unstoppable. We are worried. And that's what the word of God does in a man's life. God's word will make you an addict. Not addict to drugs, not addict to any other thing of the flesh, but addiction to the spirit. Your life becomes conditioned by the spirit because the Holy Spirit himself is the writer of the word. The scripture tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 3, I'm going to get there later, but I'm just going to mention it. It says all scripture, I love the way it says it, it didn't say it in the plural. Many of us have observed that. It says all scripture. It's in the singular. In other words, everything you see all together is considered one. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God, inspired by God. All scripture is given by the Holy Spirit when he reveals himself to people, he bypasses their normal knowledge and they begin to speak as they are ordained by the Spirit. Change, I believe, is what we believe could be but hasn't been yet. Change is tangible and is real. From the scripture of the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Hold things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. How? There must be an overpowering force that destroys the effect of the old and creates a new future for a man. Because men naturally are traditional animals. Man is used to what he does every day. He is an habitual person. That's the way God made us. We like routines because that's what we enjoy. That's our nature. And when a man makes a U-turn, something must have happened that have created a U-turn. And that's what the scripture is saying here. That's why the Bible tells us in Romans, the Bible talks about the foolishness of the gospel. Because it does not make sense. You tell somebody and they just, ah, I want to give my heart to the Lord. And right there on the spot, there is a complete 100% change in their spirit. Suddenly, a new desire begins to well up in their heart. Isn't that how many of us are here today? Do we remember who we used to be? Do we remember who, who, who we were and what we were thinking in our minds? And who we are now? And you know what I saw? We don't even know where we're going to be. Where we are today, the people of God, it's an apology to where God is taking us. If we will become what he wants us to become, if we will relate with him the way he desires in his word. Now tonight, I want us to see this together. I wrote a few things down about change. <laughs> Many of us who have studied over, over time and history, we will understand that in the last few centuries there have been a craving, generally, for change. In fact, the last election in the United States came to the platform of victory because of the promotion of the word change. Everybody wants change. You know what I saw? When I got here, I stopped. Because what makes it different from what we call change as believers? And then I came to a conclusion. Change promised is wide apart from change actualized. Politics will promise change that they can never offer. But God promised change and it is actualized. That's the difference. A promised change, a change that we promise that we can never fulfill. But the promise that we see in the word of God of a changed life when we respond to his word is true. You know why? There are evidences. I'm one of them. Hallelujah. I don't know about you. I'm one of them. Many of us were crooks. We were terrible guys. 
But something touched our spirit. We even forget that something happened to us. You know, after many years, you suddenly forget who you used to be. Our thoughts were dominated by some other thoughts from somewhere strange. Our thinking pattern, our ambition will have killed us. But there was something that entered into our spirit, turned us around, and made us different people. What a great change came into our lives. That's why the songwriter said, heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. There are elements in the human life that have been altered as a result of disobedience and sin of Adam. Many of us agree with me. There were certain elements. And I believe that the only remedy is a recommitment, a renewed commitment to the word of God. As we study the word of God, there are certain changes that naturally occurs in our lives. And that's why I came up tonight to say changed by the word. Changed by the word. I've seen people claiming many times how many times they've gone through the Bible. I say it sometimes. But you see, it is not how many times we've gone through the Bible. It's how many times the Bible has gone through us that brings a change. The irony is, the Bible can never go through, the word of God can never go through you until you go through it. But the claim we have is not of how much we have invested flesh. It is how much we have received as a result of the investment that we have made. Nobody cares about your investment until the result comes. Is that not true? Oh, I'm a great investor. <laughs> so what do you have now? <laughs> this week, I examined something. Many of us will have seen it. The Forbes book came up with the millionaires. The, you know, the, suddenly, we noticed that King, uh, Bill Gates is nobody number one. It's a man from uh, a third world, a Mexican man. Why? He has something to show for it. The same way in the spirit, many of us, God wants us to become effective believers. God wants us to become influential men and women. It will not happen if we don't make the right moves. If this man had sat down somewhere and thinking, someday my wealth is going to overtake everybody, it's not going to happen. It, you could read from what was said that he made a deliberate effort to invest in some places that yielded an, an unusual result for him. In fact, we were reading about, uh, 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 what's the name, the, the, the third man on the list, um, Buffett. Buffett was interesting. He said, that's the way he said it. I was reading to my wife. He said, you know, we sow today, but we're going to be having rains of harvest. I love the way, rains of harvest. Rains of harvest. The same way in the spirit, where we invest intelligibly, where we invest with understanding, where we invest our time and our lives in his word. Listen, there will be a difference in our lives and those who didn't do it. And that's what God wants. God wants a definite change because the hope of the world rests on those who have known him. And this brings me to this point. As we fellowship with the word of God, what happens to us? These are the issues that I'm going to raise tonight. Number one, when we fellowship with his word, we understand who God is. Do you know that the perception of the word about God is wrong? What they think about him is wrong. If you read in the news, I read a few news this week. They said, how could God be this wicked? Why is he not doing anything about the situation of the world? How did he allow this to happen? I hope we understand in the last few weeks, there have been three critical earthquakes. Haiti, um, Chile, and yesterday was Japan. It was 6.6 .6 degrees. Shattered places. And then people began to write. What is God watching? Does he want to destroy everybody? That is the perception they have about God. Do you know if we're not careful as believers, we can begin to buy into those ideas and the thoughts of those who don't know him when we don't study his word. 
It is in his word you see his nature. It is in his word you see his will. It is in his word you see his character. It is in his word we understand God is not a wicked God. God is a God of love. It is the absolute love that brought Jesus to the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. You know what I also saw as we fellowship with the word of God? We only do not see how who God is. We also see who we are. This is what usually affects believers. The question tonight is, who am I in Christ? There are many songs we sing, they whip up emotions, but they're not right. They're not true. Because they contradict what is in the word. As I read the word, I understand that it reveals who I am in Christ and how righteous God is and how faith is available for me to tap into. Number two, I also understand as I read the word that God has given me certain benefits of the, of, of the cross. I want to go through some of those benefits of the cross. Because when we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, he did not just save our spirit. There are certain benefits that comes along with it. Let me quickly go through them. Number one, I observed that when we accepted Jesus, my spirit became born again. I received eternal life. Have we heard certain people saying that someday when we get to heaven, we're going to receive eternal life? No. That's not what the scripture says. The scripture says that we have eternal life now. It is called from the Greek, the Zohe of God. The Zohe means the God kind of of life. That is why we can think like him. That is why our characters became changed. You know why? Because the life of God was infused into us when we gave our lives to Christ. It was infused. It was an invisible infusion. We cannot see it. When somebody comes here, I accept Jesus as my Lord. There is an eternal infusion that comes upon that person. No wonder the angels could see. You know how many things we don't see. The Bible says in Luke chapter 16, and they rejoice over his soul that repents because they could see an infusion of the eternal life of God. What does the scripture say about eternal life? First John 5, 13. This is what it says. It says, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know, hallelujah, that you have eternal life. <laughs> that you have what? Eternal life. I love the word have. The word have is a language of belonging. You have it. I have money. I have clothes. I have houses. It's a language of possession. The Bible says that you may know that you have eternal life. I love the way the man of God said that you may know. In other words, you may have it and you may not know you have it. So the concept of knowledge is important. When we say believers, changed by the word. What changes us is our understanding of who we are. How often we see believers going in ragged and the enemy puts us in condemnation. Romans chapter 8 verse 1. There is therefore no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. We walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the life of spirit in the life, in, sorry, for the law of the spirit in life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. First John 3 14 says, we have passed from death unto life. Isn't that great? We have passed from death unto life. The scripture tells us in John 10, 10, the thief come about to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you may have what? Life. The same word, zohe, that we may have life and we may have it in abundance. Abundant life, eternal life. There are so many synonyms used in the scriptures, everlasting life. But it is still the same thing, zohe, the life of God. I remember one of the whole hymns that says, when we see him face to face, he will give us eternal life. Uh-uh. We're not waiting until then. That is why when Christ will come and the trumpet will sound, the dead in Christ shall rise and we which are alive shall be changed. What do you think is going to change us? It is a life. We shall be changed and we shall be caught up together with them in the sky. That's what is going to make us different. Do you know in the world view, they don't see differences, differences in us, but in heaven's view, God knows those who are his. He knows those who are his. Because there's a reflection of the eternal life of God in us. 
Romans chapter 6 verse 23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Secondly, I understand that as I look at his word, that God helps me to see this, that many people don't see, that from today as a believer, I am not fighting to be an overcomer. I am not struggling to have victory. Uh-uh. Victory is already ordained. First John chapter 5, the scripture declares to us, and I'm going to read, for whatsoever is born of God, overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So when I stand today, I stand at an at a vantage point of victory, knowing that we have, overcome, we have overcome. I'm not trying to overcome. It has already been done. It is a completed work. It's a finished work. I have overcome. I've overcome every regency of the enemy. I've overcome. Jesus made this known to us while he was speaking to We shared this in our vigil on Friday. Luke chapter 22, Jesus said in verse 31, Simon, Simon, he was about to leave. Satan has desired to have you and to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And when you are converted, strengthen your brethren. That your faith will not fail. Did his faith fail? No. In the natural, the man made mistakes. Isn't that true? Like many of us will make mistakes and will cry to God, oh God, how did I do this again? That does not change the plan of God. We're overcomers. We're overcomers. I don't care the troubles we go through today, we're overcomers. Now, this needs to take residence in our spirit. The men may talk down on you. They may look down on us. They may deny us the position that we deserve. But that does not change the fact that we're overcomers. We may not have jobs like we heard it today, but not having job does not deny the fact that we're overcomers. We may not have all that life has got to provide for us now, but that does not change the fact that we're overcomers. Jesus said in John chapter 14, Jesus said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, that, you know, I beseech you, brethren, uh, sorry, I beseech you that you may understand. Let me read, let me read. I, I, I want to just read that. John chapter 14. Hallelujah. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. For where I am, you may be also. In the world, you will have tribulations. But be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Relax. It's a matter of time. It will all be over. I know who you are. You belong to me. I own you. You have eternal life. You have all that it takes to make it through. You are overcomers. Hallelujah. I want us to say to ourselves, I'm an overcomer. I'm an overcomer. Number three. I want us to take note of this. I observed as we study the word of God in our lives, there are certain things the scripture mentions in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that I read a few minutes ago. And I want us to pay attention to it. It says the word of God, you know, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. It says, and they are profitable for doctrine. The word doctrine there means instruction received mentally from his word. Or we call it teachings. It says, for reproof. Reproof means conviction. It means evidence. And I look at the word reproof. The word re actually generally means to bring back. To get something back. Re-back. Receive. It says reproof. In other words, we are bringing the evidence back again. The evidence 
of his grace, the evidence of his power, we are reproving it. As we study his word, we are reassured. That's where I'm going. We are reassured, we are overly convinced about the reality of his promise. Number three, correction. To correct means to straighten things up, to rectify it, to reform it. Now, in reformation, there is no way our hearts can become reformed without spending time in his word. Number four, it says instruction. As I look at the word instruction, instruction means training. It means education. Now, I know the family sister here tonight. When we give medications to people, there is no medication that is given in the proper place, like here. You know, there are some places you don't need doses. They just give you medication, go and take it. You're fine. But the proper procedure that is gone through, you don't, dis, you, you don't give up medications without instructions. Isn't that true? The instructions are written around the bottle or around the box. Sometimes it's done two, three times so that if you miss the first one, you don't miss the second one. Because I've often wondered, if you have it on the box, why do you have to put it on the bottle? Some people will lose the box the very first day. So, not to lose the whole instruction, they keep it in two places for you. And some of you even have something inside that you can hold in your hand. A little leaflet. Instructions, it is called. You know what I saw when I was looking at instruction? This is what I found out. Instruction, from the medical standpoint, means they want you to know how many milligrams. When they call it 12 ml, whatever, 2.5 ml, 5 ml, whatever it is called. Now, somebody cannot wake up one day and say, I don't need all those regulations and boundaries. Give me the bottle, let me drink it. What do you think he's drinking? He's drinking poison because he does not follow instruction. You don't say, well, I know it all. I don't need to go through that. No. Because the instructions are there to create a boundary, to create life. Instead of receiving life, when the person does not go through the instructions, you don't pass through the boundaries, you actually receive poison in the place of life. Number two. From the instruction we read, they also tell us that children below six years ask your doctors. Have we read that before? When you have certain medication, ask the doctors. You know what I saw there? It also tells us how many times a day you should have it. The, regular, the, the regularity of the medication. If it is two, if it is three. Now, this is what I'm bringing here. This book, I believe, is what we call what to do book. The same instruction we see on the medications, the same instruction belongs to us as people of God for us to take advantage of. And what is he saying? He wants us as his people to understand the power of instruction. Instruction provides boundary. Instruction provides correction. Instruction provides, it helps us to know where, how far can we go and where can we stop. What does the word do in a man's life? The word brings change. Let's turn our Bibles together. Second Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm reading verse 18, which we all know. It says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in the mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. The Bible says here, but we all, with unveiled face, the covering is taken out of the way, beholding us in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. Now, the word glory there means doxa, which means the weight of God, which means the nature of God. We are beholding the nature of God. Where do we find the nature of God? In his word. The Bible says, as we behold, we are transformed into the same image that we saw in his word. In other words, transformation cannot take place for many of us as believers until we begin to pay attention to his word. Until we begin to relate appropriately to his word. Until we begin to make his word a preoccupation of our lives. Until we begin to get ourselves addicted to his word. Permit me to use that word again. 
It says, we're changed from glory to glory as by the Spirit of the Lord. In other words, there is a consistent, ever-increasing change that happens in our lives as we study His Word. You know what I said? A consistent, ever-increasing change that occurs in our lives. Let me quickly mention this to us. How does the Word bring change? Number one. The Word of God brings change because as we look into His Word, it redirects our desires. I was a desires. Desires. There are many desires that are resident in the hearts of a man, particularly an heathen man, a man who just gave his life to Christ. But as we fellowship with his word, something happens in our heart. Something begins to happen in our mind. There is a change of desire. There are certain things we used to desire, but now there is a complete change of focus. When we did not know him, when we did not study his word, when we did not know his mind, we were doing things the way we were given. Certain things speaks into our mind and we believe it and we do it. But when we begin to study his word, the nature of God takes over our thought life. The nature of God directs what we do. We wake up in the morning, we're not thinking of something bizarre. We're thinking, oh God, I just give you praise for this morning. That's the first thing that occurs to us. Because our desires have been redirected. That is why in the book of James chapter 1, the Bible says, if any man sins, let him not say he's tempted of God. He's drawn away by his own lust. The word lust there means desire. He's drawn away by his own lust. So what redirects our lives that we're not caught up in the lust of the flesh, that we're not caught up in the desires of the world, is the power of his word that redirects our desire. No wonder somebody says some time ago, we, so many people claim to have written this. He says, so a thought reap an action. So an act, reap a habit. So a habit, reap a character. So a character, reap a destiny. That's what was said. In other words, whatever you sow is what you're going to have on the, in the, on the other hand. In other words, what the word of God does to us is that it redirects our desire. Now we have a new lover. Hallelujah. We used to love something else before. We used to love ourselves. There are people who are passionate about loving themselves. But when we gave our lives to Christ, something inside us changed. We began to love something else. We began to love God. We began to love his people. We began to love his word. We began to love to witness on his behalf. Why? Because there's a redirection of our desires. And you know, many of us don't know how far God has taken us. You need to be with an unbeliever. And they ask you, where are you going again? Church? Ah. They look at you as something has gone wrong with it. They did not know. What we received changed where we're going. It changed our, desi our desires. Hallelujah. It changed our desire. That's why the book of Romans chapter 2 of verse 1 and 2 tells us, I beseech you therefore, brethren, that's the one I was mixing up, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Be not conformed to this word, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. What is he saying? He's saying that we need to understand that something will change inside us as we begin to pay attention to his word. There's a transformation. The word transformation means, means mofu. Mofu means it's an internal change, not just a scheme, not from outside. It's internal. Number two. When we study his word, it helps us to see how far we are away from what is right and godly. How often people ask questions. Have we heard that before? People say, does the Bible say this is wrong? The Bible said this is wrong. There are believers who are consistently confused about certain details of what God wants from us. And we cannot actually lay our lives on the basis of the suggestions of the world. Because the world will suggest the wrong thing to us. We see it all over TVs today. What the world says is different. It's at variance with what God wants for us. So it's as we study his word that he provides a compass for our lives. It provides a navigation for our lives. It provides a clue to what we need to do concerning our lives. I remember this story. Many of us have heard me say before of a, of, of a couple. They were always fighting. They were always beating each other. Particularly the woman was just like a beating banana. Every time she does something with the husband, you know, that's not here. 
not in the United States. <laughs> so, this man somehow gave his life to Christ. And he came one night and told the wife, look, I'm born again. <laughs> the wife said, <laughs> because two days will pass. She will have been beaten again. The right side or the left side, she will have been beaten banana. She laughed. And she kept quiet. But the man, after he gave his life, kept going to church. Somehow he found a useful believer who was ready to disciple him. And he opened up to the man and told him, look, I understand I gave my life to Christ, but I can't stop beating that woman because her mouth won't stop. She keeps, when she's talking, she's like a raging fire. I must eat back. That's the only way why she can be quiet. And the man said, the man, the man exposed him to the scripture. You keep reading the word of God and ask the Lord to help you, to give you patience to deal with your family. And he kept going. But it hasn't changed much because weeks after that, occasionally, you know, something will happen in the house and then the woman will say, I didn't tell you. You know, you said you gave your life to Christ. You Nothing happened to you. But the man who was discipling him told him, spend time with the word of God every day. Showed him how to do it. Ask him to ask the Holy Spirit to help him. So the man will go home in the morning and read before he goes to work because he wanted to have a different life. Now, at night, when everybody has gone to bed, he's sitting down studying and reading and reading. And he kept doing it day after day, consistently, day after day, day after day. Ah, the wife kept looking at this man. <laughs> this man is reading this thing. What is he getting out of it? But she observed that there was a re slight reduction in the, in the beating. So she was trying to look well. So somehow it was said, according to the story, she began to taunt him, wanting to feel him. You know how you feel him, whether he's going to react. So she began to do something ridiculous so that the man would be angry. The man would just look at her and say, <laughs> because he has just read in the scriptures, as a husband, give honor to your wife. He was struggling between that. He was saying, honor. Honor to who? Honor to the one that wouldn't stop talking? So she, he was in between two opinions. But you see, there was a controlling force that comes by the Holy Spirit from God's word. And he kept, and he would look at the woman and go back and report to his uh, mentor and said, you know what she did? This? Don't worry. Just keep reading. And the man kept reading. It was said he got so serious to a level, the woman thought something was wrong with him. The woman followed him to church. And even when she followed him to church, they said, when the man would lift up his eyes, this one is lifting up his But according to the story, that was the end of that domestic violence. The power of God came upon him. Nobody did anything for him. He just started to study God's word. He just started drinking in the word. He just started drinking in the word. He just started. How many of us have experienced what I'm talking? When you drink in the word, it becomes a regulator of your behavior. There are things you want to do, but you now have a living conscience being probed by the Holy Spirit with a sharp edge of behassing into the soul and the spirit telling you that is not right, that is wrong. You, have, you lose the will to do it. And according to the story, the church started sending intending couples to their home to learn how men, you know, husband and wife should live. Can you imagine that? Started sending intended couples to the same family that was like a boxing ring. That's what God can do when we allow his word to take its place in our lives. And so also, many of us are here today, we, we had issues with temper, with anger. But in the process of time, as we begin to study the word of God, God begins to give us grace. I am not saying that you are there yet. I'm saying, look, there is a benefit that comes. As we pay attention, uh, there's a change that occurs in our lives as we pay attention to his word. But something must happen and we must desire that change. We must desire. Number three, I notice there's a radiating effect that comes from the word of God. A radiating effect. How do I say it? The radiating effect, I can't explain it, but I know I experienced it. Many of us, the Bible says in Malachi, the Bible says the son of righteousness shall arise with healings in his wings. As we study his word, there is something that comes into our lives. We cannot even explain it. 
There is a force, a spiritual force that comes to be with us. And we can't explain what has changed in us. Let me give us an example. This is what Jesus said about his disciples. And I'm going to give us a clear example. Can we turn our Bibles together to the book of John chapter 17? This is a prayer of Jesus. And I want us to take a look at it together. Hallelujah. This is the prayer of Jesus. I'm going to read right from here. In John chapter 17, verse 6. Are we there? I'm going to read verse 6, verse 14, and verse 17. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou hast given me out of the world. Is that true in your own Bible? Thine they were, and thou gavest them me. I want us to read the last phrase together. And they have kept... What did they keep? Thy word. Verse 14. Are we there? I have given them what? Food. I've given them clothes and money and houses. No. I've given them thy word. And the world has hated them. Because they are not of the word. Even as I'm not of the word. Verse 17. Let's see what Jesus said. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Sanctification does not come from anywhere else. It comes through the word. There is a penetrating force of the Holy Spirit that comes. Sanctify them by thy truth for thy word is true. What happened to them? What was the result of what Jesus said? Acts chapter 17. Let's see what it says. Acts 17 verse 6. Acts 17 verse 6. Let's see what the Bible says about these people. I have given them thy word. The word is truth. Sanctify them by thy truth for thy word is truth. 17 verse 6. It says, but when they did not find them, I'm reading from verse 5, but the Jews who were not persuaded becoming envious took some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathering a mob set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jesse and sought to bring them out to the people. But they did not find them. They dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. <laughs> who are they? These are those who have turned, they didn't say turn the city, turn the world upside down. Do you think it was just an overstatement? No. They have had stories. And they said it was like the story of the people of Moab when they heard that Israel was coming. They knew how God defeated many nations before they got there. They said, we have known that these men have turned the world upside down. Well, what did Jesus say he gave to them? I gave them your word. That's what I gave them. Sanctify them by your truth. In other words, if there is a struggle in our lives today, the only solution, the remedy provided by God is his word. The word provides solution to everything. And I wrote down here, the men became what changes because they have been changed by the word. By the word of God, I mean. They became what changes because they have been changed by the word of God. And I added to it, we are being changed today to change the world. If we relate to God the way he wants us to relate with him and with his word, we are being changed so that we can change our world. There is a world waiting for you. There is an assignment and a task given by God. There is a place that God wants us to occupy. For us to be effective in what he has called us to do. For us to enter into the destiny that he has prepared for us. We need to fellowship afresh with the word of God. Because what will change that world is coming from us. It is the emission of the glory of God that will change the world that we are looking for. It is the emission of the glory of God, of the power of God coming from those who have paid attention. To his cancer. As a matter of fact, Stephen, Philip, it was said of these men, the Bible said they were full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom. Where does wisdom come from? From the village? No. The wisdom comes from the word of God. The Bible says Jesus is the wisdom of God. Is that what the scripture says? The Bible says in Proverbs, wisdom is a principal thing. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Above all that, get it. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Wisdom is a principal thing. But wisdom a house is built by understanding. It is established. How do we acquire that? We acquire that through the word. This is what David said about the word. And I want us to listen to David. David said, my soul cleaveth unto the dust. 
quicken thou me according to your word. In other words, let life be restored to me by your word. My soul meted for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according to thy word. Psalm 119 verse 50. This is the comfort in my affliction. For thy word has quickened me. How many of us are going through affliction? The quickening power only proceeds out of the word of God. Psalm 119. They that fear thee will be glad when they see me. Because I have hoped in thy word. Verse 76. Lest I pray thee, the merciful kindness be for my comfort according to the word unto thy servant. Verse 81 and 82. My soul fainted for thy salvation, but I hope in thy word. My eyes fail for thy word, saying, Where will thou comfort me? Where will thou comfort me? When the eyes of David was turned away from the word of God, he began to doubt the source of his comfort. The comfort comes from God, and it proceeds by the understanding of his word. Hallelujah to Jesus. Hallelujah to the Lord. Tonight, I want us to have a new approach to the word of God. I want us to develop a new desire. David says, as a heart, as a dirt, as a deer pants after the water brook, so pants my heart, O God, after you. After you. Verse 7 of the same scripture says, and the noise of thy water sprout, thy waves and the billows have gone over me. Deep cause unto the deep. How do we experience the change? Because many times when we hear things like this, everybody says, what do I do? Number one, meditation. Everybody say meditation. Meditation. To meditate is to mutter. The word meditation means to murmur. To murmur words. Actually, this is what I discovered. Words are thoughts that are given outlets. Because the word idea and thought comes from the root word sept. Many of us have seen in the scripture precept, right? Precepts of God. The word sept before the pre, it means ideas. It means thoughts. It means opinion. So what happens is this. We get God's idea. We receive his thoughts. And in our lives, when it settles down and it begins to reflect in our lives, it becomes a concept. A concept is a settled idea. It's a settled thought. That is why we can stand and say, I'm a believer. Why? There's a settled concept. When it is coming, it's a precept. That's why the scripture mentioned study is precept. But it does not remain a precept. It becomes a concept. What am I saying tonight? God wants us to have a new approach as we mutter his word. As we begin to speak his word. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm the righteousness of God. When the enemy's temptation comes, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I do not sin. I do, I do, you know, sin does not have dominion over me. I am free from the power of sin. I mutter his word. I wake up in the body. The enemy brings all sorts of pain to my body. I declare by his stripes, I am healed. By his stripes, I'm healed. Sometimes we look ridiculous to people. By his stripes, I'm healed. By his stripes, I'm healed. By his stripes, I'm healed. By his stripes. As we begin to mutter his word, understanding begins to come. Understanding begins to come. It begins to settle in our spirit. We, become, we, we begin to believe it. What do we call believers? They are those who believe in certain ideas. That's a believer. A believer is somebody who believes in the work that has been done by somebody. So we have believed what he has done, completed for us. And so we begin to say the things that we believe. And the enemy is afraid of that. We meditate. No wonder scripture says in Psalm 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the castle of the godly, nor sit in the seat of the sinner, nor, nor walk in the path of the righteous. He says, but in his law does he meditate day and night. It shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. It shall bring forth his fruit in his season, and his leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. The injunction of God to Joshua, Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, thou, <clears throat> this book of the Lord shall not depart out of the mouth. For thou shalt meditate daily, day and night, that thou mayest observe that which, that mayest observe what has been written therein. Then that, that, that may have a good success and that thou mayest prosper. God wants us to prosper, but it comes by meditation in his word. That's the how. Meditation in his word. How much can we meditate? The question is, how much can we do in one day? Somebody asked me this week, how much can we do? And I said, you don't have to do a whole lot. 
We only have to do little. You know what I noticed? It is said, it is known in history, what brings change is not something big. It is small change. Small change can alter a destination. I was reading a book. The book was talking about big ships. That in the bad weather, when the big ship is moving, with the mass of water that is going on, every captain knows that to make a change is very difficult. So that's one of the things that led to the Titanic. You cannot make a sharp change in the midst of a bad weather. What you do is a slight change. Because a slight change itself takes the ship in so many thousands of miles. It changes the course of the ship completely. You know what I noticed? In our own lives, small changes can alter our destination. Small changes can alter our destination. God wants us to make small changes. Little change today. Little change tomorrow. Little change another day. Little change another day. God, as we begin to make little changes, things begin to have a turnaround in our lives. Hallelujah. Changed by his word. I want to believe in the days to come, there will be no bickering. There will be no discord. There will be no animosity among believers because we have understood the mind of God. We do not hold offenses in our hearts because we understand the mind of God. And we know that the word of God is the controller, is the director of our lives. May the Lord help us. May the Lord walk in our hearts. May his word become the sweet smelling savor of our day. May we, be, may we find the word of God as a sweet honeycomb where we feed every day to receive instruction from him. May our heart be glad to answer and to obey him. As we obey him, his truth will be made known to us. And our lives will never remain the same again. Let's all rise up to pray. We're going to pray tonight. Changed by his word. Changed by his word. We're going to pray tonight. Job says something in chapter 5. He said, how forcible are the right words. When we begin to stay in the word, sir, the church will change. Everybody will be in their own position. Nobody will break ranks. No one will break ranks. Because the word of God reveals to us what's our strength and what's our weakness. It reveals to us what's the plan of God and the purpose of God. I love scripture, Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11. I know the thought that I think towards you. I know the thought. I know the thought. And we understand to know when God says I know the thought, it's already an idea. We know it's a precept which is going to become a concept. I know the thought that I think towards you. It is a thought of peace and not of evil that you may have an expected end. Now how can somebody tell me that I don't have peace? I have peace because God says so. The only place where there is no peace is among the wicked. The Bible says, I don't see the Lord, there is no peace for the wicked. But for the righteous, peace of God. That's one of the benefits of the kingdom. Peace of God. Peace with God. And peace of God. Can we close our eyes tonight? We're going to speak to the Lord. I thank you for the living word. I thank you for the living word. I thank you for the cause of my life that is changing. Thank you for your truth that is made known through your word. Thank you for your counsel that is revealed in your word. I want to thank you tonight for change is possible. Change, change is possible. I've not reached my best yet. There is a divine plan for you to take me to another level. And we know that the way that that will happen, the remedy is in the world. The recipe is in the world. Tonight I want to thank you because of your divine plan for me. I thank you for your divine plan for me. Thank you for your invisible will that is made known through your word. Thank you for your power that is released through your word. The Bible says, wherever the word of a king is, there is power. There is power. There is potency. There is effect. There is change. There is influence. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' precious name we pray. How many of us are expecting a new move of God in our lives? You, you, we're just expecting God to, to use us in, in an unique in, 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 in an unique way. You know, in, in, sorry, in a very unique way. In, in an unprecedented way. You know, we've been looking up to a change. Something has to change. How many of us are restless in our spirit saying, Lord, I, I need something to change. 
Lord, the horizon of my influence has to change. I know we've been affecting people, but God wants us to affect much more. God wants us to affect much more. But God wants that to begin tonight. It's going to begin by the release of his word into our spirit. The word of God brings confidence. The word of God brings grace. The word of God brings power. The word of God brings authority. And tonight we're going to say, Lord, I'm ready for a new horizon. I'm ready for a new, a new ground. I'm ready for a new level. Lord, I'm restless in my spirit because I'm expecting you to do something new through my life. This status quo must come to an end. Lord, I'm expecting a change in my life. A change, a change, a change, a change. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We ask that you bring a change into our lives. Lord, by the power of your word, let the radiation that proceeds from your word, let the power that proceeds from your word bring eternal change into our lives, into our character. That something in us will change from tonight. Lord, that it will affect our habits, it will affect our character, it will affect our destiny. Lord, we're beginning to have a new seed sown in our spirit. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. We give you praise. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. I want us to pray tonight. I say, Lord, from today, help me to make changes that are necessary. Changes. Little changes. Little changes. Waking up in the morning saying, Lord, I just want to read five verses before I go to work. Lord, at a work, I just want to read a verse. I want to meditate on your word. I want to mutter on your word. I want to say, Lord, help me to make these little changes in my life. Lord, every change necessary. Lord, help me by your spirit to begin to make changes. Lord, help me to begin to make changes. Help me to give your word priority in my life. Help me to, be, to begin to give your word priority. Lord, the Bible tells us about the signs of the last days. One of the signs of the last days, many shall depart from the faith. Because they will enter into deception. I want us to pray, Lord, keep my spirit alive and strong to be able to make little changes that will change my destination, that will bring me into the very place that you have ordained for me. Spirit of the living God, walk in us. Yes, Lord. We give you praise. In Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. This is what we see in churches said, one of the men that we know. He said, there is nothing wrong in change if it is in the right direction. Is that right? If it's in the right direction. To improve is to change. To be perfect is to have changed often. To be perfect is what? To have changed often. In other words, let change not be one day. Let it be a consistent change. I want us to pray to the Lord, help me to be consistent in my commitment to your word. Help me to be consistent. Some of us are very good. In one week, we have a good shot at the word of God. After that week, we forgot. We forget and then we come back after three months. I want us to pray, Lord, let me have a consistent commitment to your word. Give me grace. Give me grace to have consistent commitment for your word. For your word. For your word. Lord, we just ask you to help us. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. Let us pray. Father, tonight, I can see these faces. We gather tonight because there is an hunger in our hearts. That's why we came. We have a hunger for spiritual things. We have a hunger to see your glory again. We have a hunger to see the manifestation of your power in our days. We have a hunger to see Christ glorified in this dark age. We live in a generation that is perverse and polluted. But Lord, tonight, we came here for this reason. And tonight, we receive grace from you. The Lord, from now, give us a relentless desire an unquenchable, insatiable desire to stay glued to your word. We understand that the words were framed by the word of God. 
There are things that need to be framed in our lives. Our characters need to be framed. Our conduct needs to be framed. Our behavior needs to be framed. Our approach to truth needs to be framed. Lord, this will happen as we begin to pay attention to your word. Tonight, we receive grace. We receive grace tonight. We receive grace tonight. Let there be a release of your power upon us that we have an unsatiable desire to stay with your word. Lord, as we are changed, may we change our world. May this generation know that we came. May this generation know that we came. May this generation know that we came. Lord, we desire that you will use us. We desire that you will make us effective. We desire that you will take us to another level. We desire that, Lord, our sphere of horizon, of influence, will change from tonight. In the name of Jesus. Give your word a special place in our hearts, oh God. Let our hearts become receptive to your word. We thank you. We give you glory for your truth. Sanctify them by your truth. For your word is true. Thank you, Father. We give you glory tonight. In Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. And the church said, Amen. The church said, Amen. The Lord bless. Let's bring our offerings to the Lord. Hallelujah.